You're listening to David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. Now here's your hosts, David and Jeff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing fine myself. Uh, Really excited. I know it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast, Jeff. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was gone there for a while. I was being a world traveler. Yeah. So, way way to be uh, the amazing race-like and not survivor-like. Right. Well, sorry. I, I'll prom- I promise not to cheat on Survivor for a while. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had a great uh, podcast with JML talking about the finale of Survivor Kagayan. Uh, did you enjoy the finale and the winner and everything? I was a little upset because, you know, I've been saying the entire season, lose my pick to win. There's no way Tony can win. And so if if everything was perfect up until Tony won, if Wu had won the final tribal council, everything I said about the entire season was 100% correct, without <laughs> fail, I wouldn't have gotten a single thing wrong. The fact that Tony won changed all of that, and I was dead wrong about the entire season, and I had no idea what was happening. So... Yeah. I was very upset. I was upset that Wu didn't take cast because that would have been a guaranteed Wu win, which would have warmed my heart. But you know, yeah, I'm, I've gotten over it. But your pick made it the final two. That's pretty good. Yeah, and he, you know, he had everything in his power to win. Yeah, but it was his own fault. It was his own fault. Well, we're podcasting today about. Uh, all of Survivor, not just Survivor Kageon, and we're going to be doing the, uh, another list of the top 20 Survivor characters. We have a list of 60 Survivors. Um, actually, excuse me, we have a list of 61 Survivors from all uh, across the season. We're going to be narrowing it down to 20 and ranking them as the best Survivor characters. So it should be a lot of fun. Now, quick thing to mention... Um, we have a, a sort of, like all of our lists, we have a sort of criteria of how we uh, judge a good character. And it has nothing to do with gameplay or social ability or anything else, but there's three criteria. Uh, the first one is to ha- have entertainment value, so to be entertaining. We enjoy uh, watching you. You're compelling to watch uh, week after week. The second is storyline, where uh, you need to have an obvious storyline. There's some people that may be entertaining and funny, but they uh, you, they only pop up every now and then in episodes for a little bit of comic relief. They don't really have a storyline. So we're looking for a storyline, an overarching story throughout the whole season. And the last one, Jeff. Is originality. I was going to say, I think it gives a little bit of preference to the earlier players who maybe weren't as crazy as some of the new players, but were very original in what reasons they were cast and, and being entertaining characters. Yeah. Originality is something we've never seen before. Very unique people. Um, yeah, and I think that's a key component of a character, too. You don't want someone who's just a repeat of someone else, and, oh, you can predict their every move. You want people who are unique, you're original, and, and ultimately also a little bit relatable, too. That is our um, our uh, what? That's what we're looking for. Our qualities. Those are the qualities we're looking for in our survivor characters. So we are going to talk with about thirty of them this podcast. We're going to have another podcast where we t- talk about the rest of the list and finalize it. We're going to start on the board, and you're actually. I know Jeff is excited. You're going to be able to not see my face for a while as you cannot see Jeff's because he just left. But um, I, I'm going to be putting up a slideshow ta- looking at the different Survivor characters, and we'll uh, talk about each of them that comes up and where we think uh, they fall as far as entertainment, storyline, and originality. Yes. Oh, look, now we see Jeff. I'm pouring myself a soda. I apologize. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, the only thing that can make this situation of not seeing your face even better is to have a drink to go along with it. 
But unfortunately, yeah. I live in the dorms, so I can't have a real drink. Gotcha. Also, so. hi, David's wife. <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, let us go to the first survivor character. And it is. Are you ready, Jeff? Oh, I'm ready. Mike Scoopin. Mike Scoopin from Survivor, the Australian Outback, and Survivor Philippines. Overall, yes. what are your opinions on Mike Scoopin? Well, Mike Scoopin is an interesting person because people remember him wrong, right? Everyone kind of remembers him as this tragic hero who fell on the fire in Survivor Australia, which is complete... I mean, yes, he fell in a fire... But there's so much more to him in that he was hated by his entire tribe for five and a half episodes, right? He was this leader, and, you know, he rallied the troops for challenges, but nobody liked Mike Scoopin, right? And people were not rooting for him to win. It's just an interesting fact that, you know, he's now treated as kind of this venerated survivor character who, you know, missed out on an opportunity to maybe win. But no one on his tribe actually liked him, right? He thanks God for being the leader. He's just... It's just interesting that a character can be remembered as... in. I don't know that any character has ever been remembered as wrong as Mike Scoopin is. And I'm reminded of that every time I watch Survivor the Australian Outback, which is fairly often, actually. It's probably the season I've seen the most. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because, uh, you know, his second appearance, he wasn't as nearly as huge of a character as he was the first one. I mean, he was very prominent the first episode, and then he sort of fell off the radar, radar and was just sort of there. And then he showed up again uh, a little bit after the merge and was sort of a, a, a key component in it, but not like the star of the season or anything. So I think that also sort of hurt his sort of entertainment value was coming back the second one. There, there was so much of a legacy and, and, you know, a thing built up from his Australia being the first person to, to quit. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> back to harsh reality. Yeah, he, he's interesting because in Philippines he had five episodes in a row with zero confessionals. He had two episodes with only one confessional and two episodes with two confessionals, right, which only leaves, you know, three or four episodes that he even was really a big deal, but, yeah. you know, he did make, he did get second, so more power to him, but his Philippines appearance is not, not nearly as interesting as his Australian Outback yeah. was. But I would say Australia, very entertaining. I mean, he brought it every single episode he was in. Yeah, in fact, 41, I have the confessional document open here, I'm trying to see, he actually, talked half as much, okay, so that makes about, that's about right. He talked about half as much. So he talked about the same in both seasons that he was in, but uh, I feel like he, he was much more important in Australian Outback. Yeah, definitely much more. So uh, storyline, um, you know, with him being medical, medically evacuated, I, I think his storyline was definitely very abrupt. Like, it wasn't that this storyline was leading up to him leaving. He had a an obvious storyline of this person who was the alpha male trying to control the tribe but didn't really, you know, gain the respect from everyone, and then the fire happened and then everyone fell in love with him. So storyline, I'm not super impressed with Mike Scoopin. Yeah, it's also a really weird storyline, right? Because the person who falls in the fire should be the tragic hero, right? You should love that person and be very upset when it happens, but you just don't with him, right? You're not... You're, you're upset because it's the first time it happens in Survivor history, and it's very shocking to watch, right? Like, you actually see, you know, his burned hands and things like that, so you feel bad for him, which is fine, but it's supposed to be the good guy that that happens to, and then you feel bad for the good guy, right? But it's not, so. Or it's the really bad, you know, it's the Jerry Manthe, where everyone's, you know, not happy that she fell in a fire, but happy that she's off the show, right? It was neither. So his, yeah. his storyline's very odd in that manner. Yeah, yeah. So in uh, originality, I think he was very original. Um, I don't think there's been a character quite like him on the show since. I mean, he stabbed a pig and rubbed the blood on his <laughs> on his face. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, unique things to Mike Scoopin. So I'll give him kudos to that for being very original and unique character. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
So right now, let's put them at number one. I don't think we have any other options. All right, here we go. We move on to our second one. Are you ready? <sighs> okay. From Mike Skiffin, we go to Lillian Morris. Hmm. Lillian Morris from Survivor Pearl Islands. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I had Lillian on my original list, and I'm not actually sure if you did or not. But um, the reason I put her on my list is I was thinking, if I'm going to create the top 20 Survivor characters, right, I thought of it like I'm going to write a book or I'm going to write a movie, right, and what character archetypes do I want in that book or movie? And I realized pretty quickly not everybody, you know, you can't write a book of just characters like Big Tom and Philip and Tarzan, right? Like, those characters should be in your book, but if that's every character, it's really a bad book, right? And yeah. so I thought that Lil would be a great character to put in a book or a movie or a Survivor season because she's really unique, and so I think she scores high in the originality department. Um, she's kind of... Her storyline is interesting, too, because she comes in as a Boy, right, a Boy Scout leader, and she has all of these moral dilemmas throughout the game where she has to reconcile what's happening in the game versus who she's claiming to be outside of the game, which really comes to a head in the final tribal council when everyone is asking her, like, you're wearing the Boy Scout uniform. How do you reconcile being a Boy Scout leader and, you know, lying and cheating and stealing in the game Survivor? And so her storyline is really intriguing, and I think the way that she reacts to what's happening to her is where you get a lot of the character moments where she becomes, you know, kind of whiny, but also very defensive. It, it's just a really interesting, uh, she, she's just a very interesting character. Yeah. Um, I found her very entertaining. Like, to me, entertaining and compelling. She was at least very compelling to watch. Was I rooting for her? No. <laughs> But she definitely changed the game a lot. Like, she was a huge factor in it, and it was just interesting to see how her mind worked, how uh, she tried to justify everything, and then how she she wept bitterly after every decision she made. Um, it, in, the, in the way, she pretty much screwed up everybody's plan. <laughs> like, she right. was the person that screwed everyone's games, except for Lil. <laughs> so in that sense, you know, I, I find her very entertaining and fascinating to watch. Storyline-wise, I mean, she, she's really good as far as, you know, she got out early, she has this redemption, she comes back into the game. Um, she really is a, a key role in it, and we see how she goes through the whole game, and I think we very clearly understand why she lost. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so I think she had, had a great storyline as well. She's also got the, you know, the prestige of being the only person to be voted out of the game and then be at a final tribal council. That's true. She does. So I would, um, I and and she's very unique and original as well. I think. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we've had. I mean, we've had a lot of older women cry on Survivor. But none quite like Lil, I don't think. Couldn't agree more. So, I would probably put her higher than Mike Scoopin. What about yourself? I agree. All right. So, I'm changing my list. Number one right now, Mike or Lil Morris. And number two, Mike Scoopin. You ready to go to our next one? Yes. All right. Here we go. After Lillian comes, Cat Ederson. Oh, from Survivor World and Blood versus Water. You know, I just realized I did not actually have Cat on my list, which is surprising. I think because it is surprising. I've always been a very vocal proponent of Cat, especially when she was on Survivor One World, and not everyone uh, was. So. I'm a little saddened that I forgot to put her on. Well, here's your chance. What are your thoughts on Cap? Right. Well, the three criteria we have are storyline, uniqueness, and originality, and entertainment. And I think Cat scores really high in two of those categories, which are the originality and her entertainment value. The thing about Cat is if you watch Survivor One World not as 
a story of how Kim Spradlin wins, and you just watch Survivor One World for fun, you will notice Kat. She's so quirky, and she does all these just little things that enhance the season, right? I don't like Survivor One World. I don't think it's a fun season to watch. I've seen it maybe twice, right? Maybe, maybe once and a half, actually. Right, but the one reason why I watched it that extra time was because of people like Kat and Tarzan, who really added a flavor to the season beyond what was happening with Kim just dominating the entire game. And I think I, I everyone was surprised when Kat was brought back for Survivor Blood versus Water, but I wasn't because I think the producers saw what I saw, which was this person providing all of these hilarious moments that people just overlooked, and I don't understand why they overlooked them. I mean, she's dancing, she's making jokes, there's that, like, odd scene with her cousin, right? And all of these moments put together make One World actually a somewhat fun season to watch if you detach it from the strategy of the game. And I think Kat was one person who was not playing the strategy of Survivor, was just making Survivor fun, um or at least attempting to until she got blindsided. Um, and in Survivor Blood versus Water, she has a couple of good moments, but it's just not at... She's nowhere near where she was in Survivor Blood versus Water. She was very under-edited in Blood versus Water. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't even think when we're talking about character we can even, even factor that in. It was just, other than her one line of, you know, people don't date people who don't make them merge. Um, <laughs> she didn't really have much... Else that stood out uh, in Blood versus no, I, Water, but I, yeah, uh, talking about the storyline that you didn't uh, pick up or uh, talk about, you know, she did have a really, I thought it was really cool. She was always lighthearted, fun, goofy, sort of throughout the entire season. Um, but then you get to the final Tribal Council, and she has this really heartfelt, serious um, speech, which I think was really a good wrap up for Cat and helped us understand her more. So I was really, I thought that was a good way to end her storyline. Yeah, and I mean, even when the way she gets blindsided, right? She gets blindsided by her best friend because she's too trusting, and, you know, she should be bitter, and she's not, right? Yeah. And I think that really, I think you're absolutely right. That's just Kat. Like, she played the game for fun, she had fun, and she didn't hold anything against anyone. All right, so where does Kat fall on our list of Lil and Mike? Well... That's difficult because I feel like Kat's not as strong in some of the categories. Like, Kat may not be in, as strong in, like, storyline as Lil, but I feel like she she at least is really solid in all three categories. So I, I don't know. I'm stuck. I, I don't think she's better than Lil, but I, I could put her above Mike. I would definitely probably agree with that. Definitely, probably. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. So, we have three so far. Let's move on to the next one. Here we go. After Cat comes, Yao Man Chan. What a great picture of Yao looking Man. At, what a great picture. Yeah, looking especially uh, wet. <laughs> right. But what are your uh, thoughts on Yao Man? Well, we've personally talked. Talk... Sorry, go ahead. We've personally talked to him, Jeff. We have talked to Yao Man, and his love of Brazilian women is truly inspiring, <laughs> right? No, um, Yao Man, I think, is probably the most original person on our list so far, right? I can't think of anyone who was as quirky and different and just fun as Yao Man was in, in Yao Man's own way, right? Like, he was very specifically entertaining and quirky and fun. So I, I give him high points for originality. I give him really high points for entertainment value as well. Like, Fiji was one of my returns to Survivor, right? Like, it was one of the first seasons I watched after I was allowed to watch Survivor again, according to my parents. And... I rooted for Yao Man all the way. I don't think there was a person out there who wanted Yao Man to lose, right? Yeah. Casuals loved him. Hardcore fans loved him. There wasn't a person out there who didn't want Yao Man to win. And so you give him yeah. high points for entertainment value. He has a lot of great scenes like Finding the Idol 
And uh, and then storyline is really interesting too, with him being trusting and giving dreams the uh, the car. I mean, he's just got all these great moments and a lot of great moments throughout the season too that create a good storyline. I think he's probably our strongest person so far. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think that uh, storyline wise, he has a, a great story, and his story is um is. You know, he had several times where he got saved, um, and and there was a lot between his relationship with Earl. So there was a whole lot of uh, stuff with Yao Man that is is really fascinating to watch. So I I definitely agree. I think we put him at the top of our list right now. Um, number one, Yao Man Chan. Uh, shall we move on to number five? Yep, let's do it. Okay, here we go. We have Yao Man, and now we go to Greg Buis from Survivor Borneo. Absolutely. I mean, in turn, I mean, would you want to do? Do you want to talk about Greg? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Sure, I'll talk about Greg. Uh, Greg was very unique and original, especially his first uh, being the very first season. I think every single person in the cast was very unique and. Um, they tried to pick as many diverse people as possible, but Greg was just sort of special and quirky. Uh, before there was the uh, the BlackBerry, there was the coconut phone, and uh, there was just lots of entertaining things about him. And he's the one out of everyone in the cast who really recognizes this as a TV show and as a, a television production. And he would always push the line and try to, to, to do things. He, was, he would do things purposely for show uh, and for entertainment and, and just see, see what would happen. So I think um, that was just very interesting to watch, especially back in the very first season. I mean, he, you have him intentionally trying to uh, make the people believe that there's sort of this flirt and romance between him and Colleen, um, which I'm pretty sure was all entirely... <laughs> For show and Greg's just like, hey, let's <laughs> let's see what we can do here. Um, and to even, you know, when he gets voted out and his, you know, fake crying and <laughs> storming out, and um, there's just so much great about Greg's storyline. I don't know, you know, it's hard. They didn't have much storyline in the first season. The first season was just a documentary, and we were just observing these people and what happened. So I don't think we're very intentional about doing anything of trying to weave a story uh, throughout. This is just sort of what happened. So in that sense, uh, storyline is probably Greg's weakest. Yeah, I would probably agree with storyline being his weakest. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Whoa, cool, flying fish is one of the funniest moments in Survivor just because of how random it is, but... In fact, that is the confessional for Woke with Cool Flying Fish. But any other other thoughts you have on Greg? Not off the top. I mean, I really like. I, I like. I agree with everything you said. All right. Well, for me, I would probably put him in between Lil and Cat. I don't think he's quite better than Lil. I was going to say, I could go above Lil, but I'm not convinced that that's right. I was thinking either between, I was thinking either three or three or two, so yeah, I'm good with three. All right, so our first five, Yao Man, Lil Morris, Greg Buis, Kat Ederson, and Mike Scoopin. Shall we move on to the next one? Yes. Where are we going to go next? What season? What do you think? Jeff? I think you're going to go late. Late? Yeah. Any era? Like, modern. <laughs> Super modern. Like, 27, 28. In there. 27, 28. Let's see what happens. From Greg Buis, we go to Sierra Easton. Boom. Call Jeff. Sierra well, David, Easton. you're becoming predictable. Yeah, I'm becoming very predictable. <laughs> From uh, Survivor Blood versus Water, Sierra Easton. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Um, I had Sierra on my list. I Sierra was interesting because every a lot of people liked her for her strategy. I disagree. I liked her because her strategy, in my opinion, was so bad 
that there was no way she had a chance of winning the game, but it was fun to watch her lose Survivor, in in all honesty. Um, no, I, I enjoyed Sierra. Sierra, I think, had the most real moment on Survivor Blood versus Water when she was voting out her mom. Her and her mom had a very real moment, and I think those are becoming fewer and far between in uh, Survivor seasons, and I really appreciate the fact that they added that and that Sierra added that to the season. And um, I think Sierra is probably one of the best casting choices this side of Heroes versus Villains. Yeah. I'll say, you know, her strongest one for me is storyline. And, and Blood vs. Water has some of the best storylines in the season just because of the, the family relationships. And her storyline with her mother throughout the whole thing is, is sort of her mother's done this before and then at the merge, you know, it's, they switch roles and she's telling her mom what to do and is essentially keeping her safe or letting her go. Um, and, and that was is the most... Um, the strongest one for me is her storyline. Entertainment, um, I mean, she's very compelling to watch, and I think that comes from the storyline, um, that you, you're invested in her story and how she turned out. But unique and original, I mean, there, there's nothing too standout-ish about her to me, um, but it, it all revolves around the storyline for me, and it was just a great storyline. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, I don't think, I mean... It's it's between her and Vetus for best storyline in Blood vs. Water, and I think she definitely can compete with that. Um, in terms of originality, I, I think a lot of originality was actually brought forth because it was a family season, not necessarily because it was a her being original, um, but definitely a, a good character. Yeah. Where would she rank on the list? Higher or lower than Greg? I'd actually put her probably um, below Cat and maybe below Michael, but I'm I'm open to to sense not yeah. widely, but um, yeah, maybe maybe above Mike, just because her storyline was much stronger as than Mike's was, um, and you know Mike's second time around was just <laughs> not great. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. All right. As we move on to our next person. All right, Jeff, you pretty you said I'm predictable. What do you think next? Um, I'll put him somewhere around. Oh, hello. Um, I'll put him somewhere around twelve to fifteen. Twelve to fifteen. All right. Let us see if you are right. Next up, Rob Sesternino. I was I was late. Predict that one. Yeah. No one can Rob predict Sester Rob Sesternino. From Survivor, the Amazon, and uh, briefly Survivor All Stars. Very uh, briefly. Yeah, I can start. I mean, so many people know Rob now for his podcasts, and and you know you feel like you really know Rob, you know, just from hearing him talk, you know, multiple times a week. But uh, looking at his storyline uh, and character, he was very unique at the time when we never seen anyone play like Rob, and I think he really opened the door of Survivor for just how you can play this game uh, strategically. So I think that was just very entertaining to watch. You didn't know what was going to happen. He was sort of the puppet master, um, and, and he was just full of wit and humor. So entertainment-wise, I think he, he's huge in the Amazon. And, and even in his brief time in All Stars, he was entertaining, but he he did not get uh, a a good deal out in the uh, in the uh, Pearl Islands for that uh, during All Stars. But um, storyline wise, um, yeah, I think he had a, a good storyline. He was always sort of at the bottom, and then he managed to slowly you know take his group and shift it and became the power player, and everyone uh, was you know, was mad at him, and, and then he ended up, you know, losing right at the end because people, you know, Jenna knew he was going to beat her in the end. So I, I thought he had a fairly decent storyline. Um, and, and unique, like I said, at the time he was very unique. And I, I'll still say I don't think anyone can make the moves Rob did and be as likable and as endearing as he was. 
Yeah, especially nowadays. Rob definitely hit the Survivor time timing really well in terms of where where his season was in Survivor history and everything. Um, but I definitely agree. No one could make the moves Rob did and stay until the final three anymore. That just wouldn't happen. But and and even have the audiences support like uh, he did, you know. But yeah, let's. Uh, where would we put him on the list? Better than Greg. I agree. I'm I'm starting with better than Lil. Mm, it's a tough game. Well, let's say who has a better storyline, Lil or Rob? I would say Lil. Who has a better originality? I would say Rob on that one. Okay. And so it comes down to entertainment. Lil brought it every single episode she was in. You know, um, I thought Rob did too. And, and Rob had a, a few episodes, you know, early on where he was more a little more low key. I mean, he always had a, a couple witty confessionals here and there. But Lil, every time she was on screen, it was like a glorious train wreck that you couldn't look away. Whereas Rob is one that you wanted to look to see what he was going to do. So it's, it's sort of like two sides of a coin here. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll concede. Let's have Rob C. at number three, Lil at number two, and Yao Man at number one. All right. Moving on. Here we go. We go from Rob. All right. You, you were a little wrong. Where are we going next? 17 to 21. 17 to 21. All right. Nope. Judge Sargent from Survivor Oof. Guatemala. Man, I'm just off. I'm off. It's okay. But uh, you can talk about Judd. I know you're a fan. I am a huge fan of Judd. In fact, I think Judd is probably... I I'm going to say this erroneously, and I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth, but I think Judd is probably the biggest snub for returning player seasons ever. Hmm. E I think ever. Wow. Which is a big statement, and so I'm going to have to defend it. Um, Judd is the type of person you want on Survivor because he creates chaos, he's really loud, he gets real mad at people, and, uh, yeah, he has a lot of energy, and, you know, he's not the type of person who's going to get tired, so you know he's going to keep bringing it the entire time. There's no reason Judd should not have been brought back for fans versus favorites, and let's pretend he said no. There's no reason he shouldn't have been brought back as a villain. Bring him back over... Tyson, bring him back over Coach, bring him back over Russell, bring him back over probably maybe Rob Mariano, depending on whether or not you want third-time players. I think Judd Sargent is probably close. He's definitely in the top five male villains between seasons 9 and 20. And the fact that he wasn't brought back for Heroes vs. Villains is an abomination, and I may never forgive Mark Burnett for it. Yeah. Um, just like um, Judd's <laughs> gameplay, his storyline was a little sporadic. I mean, he started off low, and then he got to the huge Margaret thing, and then uh, and then he was sort of just sort of there in the side helping out Stephanie and, and Rafe and sort of being their loud sidekick. <laughs> but uh, but uh, very, very entertaining. I mean, that's, I think that's his strongest, his entertainment, just pure entertainment of everything he does. Frustrating at times, I would say just like Bill and some other people, but like all good villains, you're frustrated, but you want to see what else is going to happen. You've you got to see, oh, what's coming next? Um, what is Judd going to do this week? My favorite thing he did is blatantly just unnecessarily lie and tell everyone, oh, the idol is definitely on the ground, guys. And then he walks up and is looking up in the tree. <laughs> yeah. I, that one gets me every time. But, um, yeah, I would say entertainment, and, and he is unique. I mean, he's a loud New Yorker, um, but he just brought so much to that season. 
I wouldn't quite go so far to say that he is the biggest snub ever to not come back. I think that goes to uh, a person who I'm sure is on our list later on, but is on the subsequent season after Guatemala. Personally, I would go with, with Shane Powers. But, uh, but I do agree I would love Ooh, to see that, Judd back, and I think he should have been back. Shane's definitely up there. Definitely up there. But where does he fall? Where better, does Judd fall? Where, better than Yao Man? I would put... I would say... Oh, jeez. It's. I wasn't I was thinking Yao Man was going to hold on for a while, but I don't know. He could because... I would say no. I think Yao Man had a better storyline than Judd. I would agree, although Judd's storyline was punctuated pretty pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree that Yao Man's storyline is better, but I wouldn't put Judd under Lil. I'd put Judd at two. Okay, so Judd is better than Lil. I'm okay with that. So Judd at number two. All right. Let's move on then, shall we? All right, you've been horrible so far. You had that one great one, and then the rest has been not so good. Here's your chance to redeem yourself. Where are we going after Judd? This one has to be 17 through 21. I'm going with the same thing. That's five seasons. you got to at least narrow it down to four. Five's a big four. number. I'll do 17 to 20. 17 to 20. All right. Here we go. Corinne Kaplan. Hey. Nice She had to come up eventually. Yeah, yeah, she did. Corinne Kaplan, first from Survivor Gabon, and then later on in Survivor Karamoan. Um, Corinne, known as one of the greatest female villains, um, just <laughs> very snarky and hilariously rude and inappropriate comments about everyone just degrading them. Um, and it made her a very interesting character to watch, not the greatest to root for, and why you're sort of happy she had had her downfall. I was actually rooting for her a lot more in Survivor Caramoa uh, when she came back and was disappointed um, how she got out right after the murders there. But uh, Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk quickly about... Definitely. Go for it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I think we're a little lagged, so we're talking over each other a little bit, but obviously... That's something you do with internet. So, um, I was gonna say I'm gonna talk a little bit just quickly about her in Karamoan. I mean, maybe you can cover her in Gabon, but I want to talk about her in Karamoan because this is something I think a lot of people will overlook. That is the fact that Corinne single-handedly, and I say single-handedly because I mean it, gave us the best episode of Survivor Karamoan, and that is the merge episode where she, of course, goes home. She did something that I think is a lost art in Survivor in terms of what she allowed the editors to do. And they do it every once in a while, but it rarely is it as as, mwah, as it is in her episode. And that is when you know from the first five minutes of the episode who is going home, and then you get to just watch and savor it being that person. right? So Corinne gives us in the first like five minutes of the episode in Survivor Caramoan, you know, oh, it's blindside time, right? And almost immediately you know that Corinne's going home. And for the next 40 minutes, you just watch in a blaze of glory, you get to watch Corinne go home, right? It's not she goes home at the end of the episode. No, Corinne goes home for 40 minutes. And it's one of the it's the best episode of the season by far. And it's one of the funniest and most enjoyable parts of modern Survivor, in my opinion. I just loved watching that episode for the first time. And, you know, it's sad that Survivor's only, only on twice a year, because you don't get to watch episodes for the first time other than once, right? And watching that episode for the first time was one thing that I will always remember in my Survivor history, because it was just hilarious and amazing to watch her go home. Yes. Um, I, I would agree. Um... In Gabon, I thought she had a little lesser of a storyline. Um, I think in Gabon, she was more of it was more about Randy and Corinne was there being mean and snippy too. Um, but you know, 
post-merge, it was sort of Randy and his downfall that really took the, the cake in Gabon. Um, so I think she was very entertaining. I think she's very unique. I don't think we've had another survivor like her. Um, and, uh, yeah, storyline, it's, it's, it's good. So the question is, where does she fall on our list, Jeff? It's interesting. I don't know. What do you think? Higher or lower than Greg? I'd probably put her in between Greg and Rob. Okay. I'm fine with that. All right. Moving on. Let's see. Any predictions? Season two to four. Two to four. We are going to Tom Buchanan. Nicely done, sir. Hey. Um, what do you want to talk about Big Tom or you want me to talk about Big Tom? I can talk about Big Tom. I love Big Tom. Uh, Survivor Africa is actually one of my favorite seasons. I know it doesn't get a lot of love, but I, I just thoroughly enjoy Africa um, for the, the uniqueness of its location and the characters of Tom, especially, and Lex and Ethan and, and a lot of others. But uh, Big Tom was just a pile of fun. Um, I think, you know... <laughs> He he had you know his uh, storyline in All Stars. He came back was I'm just gonna ride Boston Rob to the end. I'm gonna be you know his uh, pony or whatever. Um, and but he he had so many entertainment like his strongest is obviously entertainment. Every time he's on screen, he's gonna crack you up. He's just laughing. He's just so entertaining. Storyline. He's always the side comic relief. I mean, in all, in Africa, he was like that, and again in All Stars. Um, he's not he's not a power player. He's not really making the executive decisions. In in Africa it was Lex, and All Stars it was Boston Rob. He he's just sort of aligned with him, so he gets far, um, and it's just there along for the ride and having a blast. Um, but also very unique in the original. I think they tried to have someone like Ralph, um, but he's in nowhere comparison to to Tom Buchanan. Yeah. Um... Tom Buchanan is a, like, there's still not been anyone like him on Survivor, which makes him ultra unique because he was on season three. Um, my my buddy who's rewatching Survivor just finished season three. He's on the beginning of season four now, and he loves Big Tom. I mean, had Big Tom not been brought back for All-Stars, that would have truly been an abomination. Um, he's just amazing. And he was even, like, the fact that he was even considered again for Blood versus Water, which he was, um, he had to decline because he was working on his show, his other show, just shows the staying power of a character like that, right? Everyone loves Big Tom. Everyone remembers Big Tom. People who watched Survivor, uh, you know, back when it started, and when I tell them, oh, you know, I'm a big fan of Survivor, they usually laugh at me, and they ask me about Richard Hatch, Rupert and Big Tom. Those are the three people, and there's a reason for that. So would you put him higher or lower than Rob's sister, Nino? Um, I think that Rob's storyline is better, but I think that Tom has better entertainment and uh, originality, so I'd probably put him above Rob C. All right, Lil. Again, I'd say Lil's storyline is better. Yeah. I'd put Big Tom higher for entertainment, and then for originality, I think they're tied. So I don't know. I, I'm struggling with that one. Okay. But he's lower than Judd. I would say he's lower than Judd. All right. Uh, between Lil and Tom. Oh, this is tough. I feel like Lil's providing us with a lot of dilemma since she's so different than everyone else. Most of these people are big characters who do funny things and say funny things. Whereas Lil's yeah. not that character, right? She's very different. So I think that's so what a lot of people... Tom under. What? So let's put Tom under Lil. Okay. Let's keep Lil... Let's add some uniqueness. All right. Next person. All right, you're to two in a row. Can you predict the third one? Where are we going next? 23 to 26. We are going to Cass McQuillan from Survivor Cagayan. So not quite, Jeff. Not quite. I was close. I was in the realm. 
<laughs> few seasons if I was outside. smart, I would have realized how few people from seasons 23 and 24 there were, and would have said 26 <laughs> and 28, but hey. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on Cass? Yeah, well, Cass is interesting because obviously with, you know, anyone from Survivor Kagayan, there's a little bit of, there's like, a, it's fresh, so you like that person a little bit more, but also you're not sure how they're going to fall in the history of Survivor, right? And Cass is also interesting because she was a little bit like Mike Scoopin was in the Philippines, where she was like a flash in the pan and then did nothing for three episodes, and then she had another big blow up, and then she did nothing for a few episodes, and then she won the final four immunity challenge, which I'm still trying to figure out in my head how that worked out. Um, Cass was very entertaining, obviously. She's someone who I truly, like most people in Survivor, I understand what they do. Like I can figure out why Wu picked Tony, right? I know why that happened in my mind. I may not have made the same decision, but I can understand how in Wu's brain that worked out. And if I were Wu, why that decision would be made. Cass is someone I still have, I still struggle with thinking about some of the things she did and why she did them. Um, and so that makes her a very unique character for me. Um, in terms of entertainment, again, flash in the pan, dormant for a few episodes, flash in the pan. Um, in terms of originality, I think she was very original, and she had a really solid storyline, I think. Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, she's not the most entertaining, but she's definitely compelling to watch. Um, had a great uh, storyline, I would say, and that may be her strongest. And yeah, we haven't really seen anyone like her, so, so I think that's um, definitely, you know, you know, unique about her. So... Yeah, I would say she's a solid character. I think she definitely deserves to be in the running. Where would we put her? Would you put her higher or lower than Corinne? Oh, I didn't put Corinne on my... I, I'm keeping a list, too. Where did we have Corinne? Corinne is number six, currently. So, above Greg? Yes. Okay. So we have ten total right now. Yes. About to be eleven. Okay. I would put her below Corinne. I would probably actually bring her down and debate whether or not she goes above or below Michael. Oh, interesting. So you Just because I would not consider her very entertaining, I'd consider her very original, and her storyline was very good. So you're saying she's, character-wise, she's not, she's not up there. I would put her above Sierra, and I would, I would probably also put her above Kat. So you'd put her at 8th, and I'd put her at at least 10th. Why don't we average it out and put her above Sierra at 9th? Okay, sounds good. Cat and then Cass. All right, moving on. Where are we going next, Jeff? Oh, that was season 28, so we've got to go pretty high back, or pretty far back, let's say season... Seven, oh no, we'll go, yeah, seven to ten. Seven to ten. Uh, dreams heard from Survivor Fiji. I almost Three said 12 to 15, but I didn't think. What's on Dreams, Jeff? Uh, Dreams was interesting. Again, Survivor Fiji was an interesting experience for me because it was one of my first ones back. Um, and Dreams is probably another person like Cass who I don't really understand why he did what he did. In the entire season, I was like, who is this guy, and why did he keep making stupid decisions? Um, yeah, Dreams just like to cause fights, but I don't... The, the difference between, I think, Dreams and Judd, or other people who like to cause fights, is that Dreams didn't realize that why, why what he was doing made people angry. But I think Judd knows that he's probably a person who makes other people angry pretty easily. I think he's aware of that. He's he smart enough to realize care. that. What? And he just doesn't care. Right. James, on the other hand, when he like has the issue with the instant coffee and sits people down, is like, I think we should either get rid of Lisi or we should get rid of Cassandra, right? He doesn't understand why that's probably not a smart thing to do. And so that makes him an interesting character. I would uh, I would say he was, yeah, he was interesting to watch for sure. 
he had a great storyline throughout the whole thing. I think he was growing up socially. Like he was learning how to socially interact the entire game. And then, and then you have, like, of course, the huge moral dilemma and sort of the social turned into uh, the mixture between real life and game and how does that work. So I, I think he had a lot of fascinating aspects to him. So entertainment-wise, like, he's not the most jump-off-the-page entertaining person, but I think he's very unique. I mean, someone who, who grew up you know, homeless has a very interesting story, and I think that shaped you know, who he was uh, today and, and how he ended up on Survivor. And I think his storyline was really good and very unique. So, yeah, you would you put him... Up? I'm thinking Dreams is right around Karim. Okay. What I'd probably put him below Karim, so above Greg. Okay. I'm fine with that. So Corinne and then Dreams. All right. Shall we move on? Oh, yeah. Where are we going next? Two to four. Five. Two to five. Nope. Survivor Bordy. Oh. And subsequently, oops. Subsequently, All-Stars. What uh, is your thought on Richard Hatch? Well, it, there's no one more original than Richard Hatch, right? Like, he was the one who started it all. He was the, you know, crazy guy from season one, uh, the villain, if you will. He, he's interesting because he said on day one, you know, I'm going to win a million dollars, and then he went and won a million dollars, and no one believed him. Um, his storyline is obviously among the best ever in terms of winner storylines, right? Like probably been more analyzed and more talked about than any other winner in the history of the show. Um, his originality is obviously very high. Entertainment value, I would say a little less than his other two. Is probably his, Entertainment is probably his weakest category of the three, but still pretty high. He's definitely a strong character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um... I think Richard Hatch was a huge character, and he's part of the reason why Survivor has succeeded until today. I think, uh, and, and you know, I think he is very original in the fact that, you know, nowadays, you know, to have back then to have a, just a homosexual on TV was very edgy and very um, right. Unique. But then. I think he himself is just so unique, and they didn't cast a stereotypical, like they do now on most reality shows. That's have your stereotypical, you know, gay person. But he, he was just his own unique person, and that was just one aspect of Richard Hatch, not the tokenness of him, which I think is, is very uh, unique and rare to find these days. Uh, on reality TV. So in that sense, I, I think he's a very original and unique character. Um, again, you know, he's not, he's not a, a, you know, a one-liner extraordinaire, or he's not, you know, doing something crazy every minute. But he is entertaining and, co and compelling to watch and has a great storyline from start to finish. And you said, you know, he has the confessional, I'm going to win the whole thing, just and at the start to see how, you know, he's like, all right, let's all sit down and come up with a plan and just to see how he forms the alliance. Storyline is great. And I, I expect him to be very high on this list. I yeah. would almost put him at, at number one, Jeff. What do you think? Here's my question. Okay. If Richard hadn't won, let's say he gets second or even third, would he be number one on your list? And does that matter if he wouldn't? Like, does the fact that he won change him as a character? The fact that he won changes him as a character slightly. So I would, to be honest, if he hadn't won, if Kelly had won, if she, he probably would have been down a little bit. But I think he'd still have been in the top tier of this uh, of this list. And That's I'm not fair. saying he's going to stay at number one. That's fair. I just wanted to make sure we weren't determining it based solely on, oh, well, he's the first winner, so he's got to be the best character. Right, like, no. I didn't want No, that. I agree. Yeah. I could, I could see people down the line definitely beating Richard Hatch. Well, in that case, I am... I'm okay with putting him in first place. 
Like, well, I mean, don't you agree? Do you think he's a better character than Yao Man? It's just hard since Yao Man, like, it's one of those things where intuitively I would say no, because you want to pick the person who's kind of, like, loud and boisterous and fun, but yeah. realistically yeah. I would say yes. Yeah, if you're writing a book, Richard Hatch is going to give you I mean, lots of, of ability to go wherever you want and really evolve this character. Whereas, right. Richter feels like a more, if, especially if you're writing a book where you can see into people's minds, like if it's at, in, in an omniscient viewpoint, he's definitely going to be yeah. a, a, a valuable character. So, Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next person. And you may have already seen it, so let's just Excellent. go to it. Eliza Orleans from Survivor of Vanuatu and fans versus favorites. Do you want to talk about Eliza? I, yeah, I can start. Eliza is, is someone who has a great storyline of always being on the out. <laughs> like, she's always... Her personality just did not mesh with everyone, and she was always uh, irritating towards a lot of people, and she was always going to be out, but then something happened. Something always happened that took the target off her and onto someone else. And that was just a lot of fun to see. And it was fun to see how she interacted with people and, and her alliance with with uh, Twyla and Scout and their relationship. And then, you know, getting screwed over by Chris in the end. That was, was just all fascinating to see. And again, she comes back into Micronesia. And again, she's on the outs and <laughs> no one really likes her. And yet she manages to make it to the merge, which is pretty impressive to me. So, um, in storyline... It's great. Uh, Entertainment-wise, I think she's almost as entertaining, if not more, on the jury and just seeing her facial reactions uh, than she was in the game, but uh, definitely compelling to watch. And I, I don't. I think she is unique. I don't think we've had someone quite like her. Hmm. Yeah. No, I like Eliza a lot, and again, she was one of the characters. I actually rooted for her to win um, when she was on Survivor... Vanuatu, because I wasn't... I only saw the last, like, two episodes until I saw the, uh... And until I finally saw, you know, Chris kick butt. And when yeah. I watched the entire season. No, she's definitely entertaining. She also gives us a lot... I mean, her jury reactions alone should put her on the list, right? Like, she's just yeah. funny. Alright, well, where would we put her on the list? Higher or lower than dreams? I'd say lower than dreams. Higher or lower than Greg? I'd say in between Greg and Cat. Okay, I can do that. All right. Moving on. Where are we going next, Jeff? That was season nine. Seasons 21 to 24. John Cochran, good call. Boom. From Survivor South Pacific and winner of Survivor Karamoan. Thoughts on Cochran? Um, I was a, I'm still a, okay. I'm a fan of Cochran. I like Cochran. Y'all can shut up. <laughs> okay. Yes, he had a lot of friends in Survivor Karamoan. But I like him despite the fact that he won. I loved him on Survivor South Pacific because I think I personally identified with him as a character, right? Like the nerdy kid who loves Survivor, who's just happy to be there, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So I thought that that helped him a lot in terms of my perception of him. Now... A lot of people don't like Cochrane, and I understand that, but I think it's I think they just want to hate Modern Survivor is what they want. I don't see a reason why you hate John Cochrane. Just because he won is not a reason to hate him as a person. That's not his fault. That's the producer's fault. Yeah, I mean some people him. find him whiny and annoying, but I didn't I didn't see it that way. But I would agree. Uh, Entertainment-wise, I, I mean, he had some clever lines. He, I mean, he wasn't the most out there contestant, but he was definitely compelling to watch. And like you said, he was very relatable to a lot of people. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's the most unique character. I think we've had similar ones like like him before, um, yes. but not quite <laughs> as overt as Cochran. And uh, and I think that overtness made him 
um, definitely bigger than than the other ones. Um, but storyline, I think he had a great storyline both seasons. Yeah, I would agree. So, where would we put him on the list? Higher or lower than Eliza? I think his storyline's better than Eliza. Eliza's more original, and then it comes down to entertainment. I think Eliza's a little more entertaining. I would probably agree. So, Cat or Cochran? I'd probably pick Cochran. Cochran in at number 11. As we move on to the next one, where do you think we're going next, Jeff? One through, uh, two through five. Two through five. John Rector. Good call. Boom. Driver Marquesas. Why don't you talk about Sean? Well, I love Sean. Sean is one of those characters that I feel like gets lost in the fold of Survivor quite often because the second you mention Marquesas, no one thinks of Sean. Everyone thinks of the fall of the Row 24 and they hate Vesepia as a winner, which is not a good thing to say, but that's beside the point. Sean is an amazing character, and the fact that he is not synonymous with Survivor Marquesas is kind of mind-boggling, to be honest with you. I mean, he is... The thing that I've noticed about Survivor characters, right, it's usually the people with the most energy who you really like, right? Sean is easily the most energized person out there, and I think Sean could live on an island for probably years, right, before he ever wasn't entertaining. Um... And it's the people with the most energy because they talk the most, they do funny things, they have a lot of, you know, it's not fun to watch people be bored. And Sean was never bored on Survivor, which I think contributes a lot to him being entertaining as a character. Again, everyone else in the final five, six, seven, eight, they were just kind of lackadaisical, right? No one had, like, a spirit and an energy to about them other than Sean, and he really deserves more respect as as maybe not a survival player, but definitely as a character. Yeah. Um, Entertainment-wise, I thought he was great. Um, storyline, um, I mean, he, he was part of the big storyline of, you know, the the, uh, the the flip against the Road 2-4, so, I mean... That in that sense, he had, he had a big storyline, and him with the Sapia, but wait, to, just because they're black doesn't mean they're aligned together and all that stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so storyline storyline was decent, and originality, I don't think we've ever had a character quite like like Sean ever again either. I mean, he's very loud and vocal um, and, and very representative of his, his race and his culture, um, which, which I found interesting and compelling, and I don't think we have a lot of that. We don't see a lot of that anymore on Survivor. I agree. So where would we put him? Higher or lower than Corinne? I'd probably put him above Corinne. I'd put him above Corinne. How about Rob C? I think Rob's storyline was better, and Sean's entertainment was better. What do you think about originally? I'd put him above Rob, but below Tom. I would agree. So, we are going to stop for part one now. So we have 16. We have a lot of people we're going to go through uh, coming up. So stay tuned for parts two and subsequently more. Um, We'll see how long uh, part two is. But we're going to take a break here. Um, So be sure to check back in the next couple weeks to see how this list continues. But for right now, we haven't eliminated anyone because we haven't even gotten to 20. But here's our top 16 so far. Like we said, there's going to be lots more coming up. Number one, Richard Hatch. Number two, Yao Man Chan. Number three, Judd Sargent. Number four, Lillian Morris. Number five, Tom Buchanan. Number six, Sean Rector. Number seven, Rob Sesternino. Number eight, Corinne Kaplan. Number nine, Dreams Heard. Number 10, Greg Buis. Number 11, Eliza Orleans. Number 12, uh, John Cochran. Number 13, Kat Ederson. Number 14, Cass McQuillan, uh, number 15, Sierra Easton, and number 16, Michael Scoopin. What do you think so far, Jeff? I think it's a good list. Um, I, I'm surprised by some things on the list, to be honest. I don't disagree. I'm just surprised. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be a lot more people we're going to be talking about. So this, uh, we could see... This might be a three-parter. Yeah, I, it, it probably will. I could see, you know, there could be very few of these people on the final list when it's all said and done. We have a lot of heavy hitters still left. But uh, a good start, and uh, we hope you guys continue to listen. Give us feedback. Uh, who do you think should be on this list? Who's in the top 20? Let us know on our Facebook group, David and Jeff Sorrow Podcast, or comment on our website, sororopodcast.blogspot.com. And make sure that you hit the subscribe button on iTunes when you search for David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. That way the podcast shows up on your computer every week. And we will be back with more uh, Survivor uh, during this offseason, finishing up this character list and hopefully doing some more uh, as it comes along. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for watching and or listening. Goodbye. Bye.